You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we find ourselves. If you are visiting here today, I want to say welcome. And here at Calvary Chapel, you'll learn if you stick around, we study the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we are currently in a study of the book of 1 Peter, which we're going to be studying 1 and 2 Peter through the spring and into the summer. And so you come on a good day as we are continuing to move through that. And today we're going to be covering just two verses together, which will explain why we're going to be in First and Second Peter through the spring and the summer, is if you don't cover a lot of ground, you don't get very far very quickly. But today, First, first Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and if you're taking notes today, the title for today's message is Living Inwardly to Live Outwardly. Living inwardly to live outwardly, and we'll seek to see that fleshed out as we move through the text together. But if you'll remember, if you've been with us, and if you haven't, then you'll learn it, that the book of 1 Peter was written by a man named Peter, who was in fact the apostle Peter that followed Jesus in his earthly ministry and then continued to follow Jesus after Jesus ascended to heaven. And it's the same Peter that you see throughout the Gospels and the New Testament. As well, he wrote this book to the scattered and the persecuted church. That is the audience that he wrote it to. And the theme of 1 Peter, we have seen and are continuing to hone in on the fact that it is all about being steadfast in Christ, of living a life of suffering in this world. We will have suffering as you follow the Lord. It doesn't mean everything is going to be easy, but we can live a life of suffering with hope. And the hope that we have, Peter has explained to us in depth, but we find that hope in Jesus, who is our living hope, who is alive and who is there ready and willing to save today and every day to the reader then and to us now. And a few weeks back, you'll remember that Peter wrote to the readers, prepping them and preparing their hearts and minds to live a life out to the Lord's to live a life that is distinct and different to the Lord, to be holy as the Lord is holy. And he did this by first calling the reader to prepare their mind. You'll remember to ready their mind for action or to gird up the loins of their mind was the picture that he spoke and built into the the text. To have a mind and a life that was set on the Lord and to live a life that was for the Lord. And to have a mind that was sober, a mind that was prepared, and a set mind that was focusing on the Word of God, and together growing with other believers in what the Lord said through His Word and for us as we walk. That is the mind that Peter has been establishing that the reader is to have, both then and now. And you'll remember right before Easter, if you will, we took two weeks off for Palm Sunday as well for Easter Sunday, that Peter, in his writing, he made a caveat of sorts from his, from his writing to the church in exhortation to encourage the church. Because we remember that he's writing to the scattered church, the scattered and the persecuted church. And so what he wanted to do is to write to them, to let them know that, hey, even though you're scattered, even though you're separated and facing many things where you are, that you are still united in Christ. You are not alone. That as believers, you are these living stones that are being built up into a spiritual house. A house would give the mindset of unity and togetherness all upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, who he said is the chief cornerstone. And that was an encouraging word that encouraged the believer then and us now. It should encourage us as well 
to be aware of the fact that we are together unified in Jesus Christ. And as such, we are not alone as we walk through this world. We have one another and we have Jesus as our foundation. And as such, knowing that we can call, we are called and can walk in the conduct that we're going to be called to. And with the caveat behind us, the encouragement behind us, Peter now moves back into the exhortation to holiness, where really over the next few weeks, Peter is going to get very specific, very specific in areas of life that affect all of our lives as we walk with the Lord to walk in this world the Lord's way, to walk as believers conducting ourselves in holiness as God calls us. And understand that today, well, it's really where it all starts. Today, Peter is going to give this overarching call, this call to the believer to know that life lived in this world, well, it should look different if you're following Jesus. It has to look different if you're following Jesus. And that is something that has work that is taken in on the inside that shows on the outside. And so that's what we're going to seek to see as we move through these two verses today. Again, not a lot of text, but a whole lot within it. So let's pick up together in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read verse 11 and 12. We're going to pray one more time, and then we'll keep going. So, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's pray before we keep going. Father, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, the freedom, and the invitation that we have from you, Lord, to come into your presence, to worship you, and just to praise you, God, because you're so worthy of praise. And I just thank you so much that we are able to do that today, and Lord, to do that together. And as well, Lord, I thank you that we can continue to worship now by getting into your word, by, Lord, opening up your word written to us out of your kindness to equip us and to lead us in this life that you've given us. And I pray that, Lord, we would be attentive, that, Lord, we'd be ready for what you have to say. God, make us ready for that. And I pray that as we study the truth of your word, that, God, you would help us to not just to know the truth, but show us how to apply the truth today how to live the truth of your word out every day that we have here, God, because that is what you've called us to. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you help us with that. I'm so thankful that I can ask you expectantly for help in understanding your word because you are here to help us. So Lord, we ask for that today and we ask that you would lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, having encouraged the believers who were living again in the various regions of the, of the world, Peter now writes to them, and again, we notice that he calls them by names that focus on their belonging, not to the world, though they are in the world, but we see as he opens up uh, what has really been a consistent theme, that he addresses the reader as his beloved, but also as these sojourners and pilgrims. And if you're taking notes today, that's the first thing that we're going to hone in on. And he has used this similar language thus far in the letter. In fact, in the opening verse of the letter, he addressed in his greeting this letter to the pilgrims of the dispersion. Peter wrote this letter. He wrote 2 Peter as well to the church that was scattered across the worlds. And this has been a consistent theme within Peter and is going to be a consistent theme throughout 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This idea of him encouraging the reader to know that they are not home yet 
that they are pilgrims and sojourners. In fact, my wife and I were just talking about this yesterday. We were doing various projects around the home and somewhere between fixing a dryer and shooting snakes off of my back porch, we were talking about how First and Second Peter, Peter's all about being consistent and showing that, hey, we're not home yet. If you're in Jesus, hey, you're on, you're on a journey. If you're in Jesus, you're a pilgrim, you're a sojourner. And those are things that we need to see and know for ourselves. And looking at those words specifically, well, they help us better to see Peter's mind. And the first word that we see there, the Greek word sojourner that is written there, it may be translated stranger in your Bible there. Well, it's the Greek word parikos. And it means just as you would think it does, as a stranger or a sojourner, one that lives in a strange land, one who is in a foreign land, one who is passing through, who, has somewhere, who is somewhere without citizenship of where they are at. And as a stranger is that person who doesn't fit the setting, is one who is foreign, well, so too is the believer. So too is the believer in Jesus Christ, a sojourner, a stranger in this world. We remember back when Peter was encouraging the reader that he said that they belong to a holy nation. A nation gives us the idea of a common people under a common belief system and a common leader. And here on this earth, if you are a believer in Christ, well, you are not here, you're not just a citizen of earth, you are a citizen of heaven. And in fact, you are more a citizen of heaven than you are of the earth. And so he addresses sojourners or strangers. But along with sojourner, Peter also addresses the believer as a pilgrim, which the Greek word for that is the Greek word parapidemos which is not unlike stranger in many ways. It's someone who's passing through, who doesn't belong. But there's another key element that we need to focus in on, especially for the text here. Because this idea of a pilgrim, well, it speaks of one who comes from a foreign country into a city or a land, and they don't belong there. That's not their permanent home, so to speak. But they reside there by the side of the natives. They reside there by the side of the citizens. And that is the key element and the distinction between that of stranger and pilgrim. You see, the language behind Peter's calling to the reader as a pilgrim ties directly into the point of the rest of the text. The idea and the reality that as a believer in Christ, we are not home yet. This is our, this is our temporary space. Our home is in heaven with Jesus. And as such, we are passing through, but we're also living life, aren't we? We're living life in and on this world amongst people that are around us every single day, believers and unbelievers alike. And so as those who are following Christ, Peter here writes to the reader then and to us now and makes sure to address us appropriately, that we are sojourners, that we are pilgrims. And understand that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, if you are here a Christian, then Peter is speaking directly to you just as he spoke to the reader then. As well, what Peter is about to unpack, what he's about to let us know and how we are to conduct ourselves in this world, understand that if we as believers in Christ don't have the reality of us being sojourners and pilgrims in our hearts and minds and applied to our lives, then we will not walk in the way that Peter is going to call us to, the way that God intends us to. See, what we need to have as believers in Christ is a mindset that is set heavenward. A mindset that realizes that this world that we live in, though we're here and this world is tangible and easy to, to feel and to touch and to be a part of, that this is not our home. That this world is a temporary place and space that we occupy now, that we are called to operate in for the Lord, more on that in just a moment, but that we are not home yet. 
that we are just passing through, and as such, we are called to live with a mindset that is not just earthly, but is heavenward, and is set on heaven. And I love that Peter is not the only one that speaks of this here in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul has much to say about this mindset of having one's mind heavenward and not just strictly on the earth. Take note of Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. They'll be on the screen as we read them. Where Paul there says, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. He's striking a contrast here. And then he says, For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. You see, Paul here writing in the same vein as Peter is, is seeking to establish to the reader that those of the earth who look just to the temporal of this earth, well, that is a contrast that needs to be seen between the believer who has citizenship in heaven who is living in needs and is called to be living for heaven with their mind set on heaven. Similar language comes from Paul's next letter there to the Colossians. And I love these verses. They're great ones to memorize. All of us should do so. Where in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4, it says there, if then you were raised with Christ, well then seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you, he said, died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, the exhortations of Paul and the ones here that we see with Peter, well, they are only possible to grasp all of this life lived with the Lord. They are only possible to grasp and to live out the way they are intended to as we as believers realize that we are called to set our minds heavenward and not just have them here on this earthly plane. We are sojourners and pilgrims in Jesus. We are here temporarily. And as such, this is our temporary home. And so our minds are meant to be, as we are here serving the Lord, set to where He is, set where He is in heaven, and to think heavenwards and to follow as He wants us to walk here on this world. Taking hold of that truth impacts how we live taking hold of the reality that we are just passing through, that we are sojourners and pilgrims and aren't to be wrapped up in all that this world has to offer, well, that impacts the way that we live, and it needs to. Because we are called to live, again, as Peter has said, holy, live distinct, live set apart and sick out in this world. And so on the onset of this, before we even get to what Peter has to say, do you, believer, realize that this is not your home? Many of us are like, praise the Lord, this is not our home forever. But do you realize that this is not our home? And we are called, yes, to be on mission in this world, called to live here and to show Jesus in this world. We are called to be on mission. We have a purpose here, but this is not all there is. Do you realize that today? Do you realize that this is not our home? And is your mind, are our minds as the church, individually and corporately, are they set upon the Lord? Are they set upon what He has for us and walking in lights of our citizenship in heaven? That's something to think about as we continue on, because as Peter addresses the believer's citizenship and our temporary abode here on the earth, 
Well, he then begins to flesh out what that should look like, both living inwardly and outwardly. And he starts with the inward. And he starts with the inward because that's where it starts for every believer. As we want to walk with the Lord, well, a relationship starts with Him. And that relationship starts inwardly, in the heart, as we choose to take upon ourselves the finished work of Jesus Christ and the salvation that it offers. And as such, so too are we called to change from the inside out, knowing that the Lord has done a work for us and in us. Well, so too do we need to see that work continued on in our hearts and lives as we're obedient to it. And Peter, well, he gives us a call here in verse 11 that is going to affect the outward as he calls first inwardly to abstain from flesh. Read verse 11 with me again, where he says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You see, with the fresh reminder and the perspective of our temporary life on, in this world, as well as our belonging not to this world and the fallen state that we're born into any longer, well, Peter now exhorts to change. And he exhorts the believer to change by calling the believer to abstain from fleshly lusts, which, like our recognizing of our citizenship not being on this earth but in heaven, abstaining from fleshly lusts, or you could say resisting our sin, resisting the flesh, well, this is key to our living and conducting ourselves in holiness. And Peter not only makes this call, but he also tags something on the end of it, recognizing that this, well, it's something that's hard. It's something that, is, is a, that, that has a reality tied to it that shows us that this is not an easy thing to do. In fact, he shows that to abstain from the flesh, well, it involves a fight. As he says there, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, which is a great reminder and a great opportunity for us to remind ourselves today that the Christian life, living for the Lord in this world, living out for Jesus, well, that is a, a, a life that is not peaceful. Understand, we have peace with God as we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but a life lived with the Lord is not a passive life. It's not a peaceful life. In fact, there is much conflict that is involved in the Christian life. Conflict, namely, number one, as Peter's going to share with us in later chapters, with the enemy of our souls, who the Bible calls Satan. We know from 1 Peter chapter 5 that Satan, well, he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we are called to resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the Lord is with us and that we're not alone in that fight. There are others that are facing the same. You know, we say this often and need to say it more often even than we do is that the Christian life, well, it's a life of warfare. It's a life that has a spiritual war that is going on around it. And as we choose Jesus, we don't just choose an eternity or a destination for our eternity. Understand, if you choose Jesus, you choose a side. You choose a side in a conflict that has been waging forever, a spiritual war that we need to realize the Bible tells us about that is real and that we are a part of, that we are a part of on the daily basis. The Christian life is not a peaceful life. It is one that involves conflicts. But the believer is not just in conflict with Satan and spiritual, and spiritual forces, but we're also at war within our own self. Because though, again, we are at peace with God and we have been saved from the bondage and the ultimate consequence of sin, which is separation from the Lord in a very literal place called hell, understand that we still have a flesh nature. We still have a sin nature. You and I, we still sin, don't we? 
We still sin. You and I are still sinners. Even if you're saved by Jesus Christ today, you are still a sinner. And if you choose to tell me you're not, well, you are a sinner now because you just lied to me. Each one of us are sinners. And we have, understand, a struggle presented to us daily. A struggle between the old nature, the sin flesh nature that we have been saved from, yes, and from the bondage of. We have a struggle every day between that and our new life in Jesus Christ. That struggle is real. And each of us understand when it comes to sin, well, we all need to recognize that we each have our own proclivity to certain sin, our own bent, if you will, to things. Things that trip me up may not trip you up. Things that that tempt me may not tempt you, and vice versa. And what we need to understand is that fight, it's always there. Every morning when you wake up, it's like the bell goes off, and it's time to get in the ring and just have at it. It's time to go the flesh against the spirits. And every day we need to recognize that that is the truth, that that is the case. And as Peter here is calling, we must abstain from the fleshly lust. And as it wars within our soul, we need to understand that that is something that we walk in with the Lord's. And I'm thankful that we walk in it with the Lord's. And I'm thankful that we see the Lord with us. And the Bible talk about what this looks like. And not only give give us insight into the fact that this happens, but also what to do about it. And Peter uses the language saying, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. But again, the Apostle Paul has something to say about this as well. And I want to, if you will, flip over to Romans chapter 6 this morning in your Bibles. If you have your Bible, Romans chapter 6, these verses will not be on the screen, so you're going to need to get your Bible out or your phone with your Bible app and turn over there to Romans chapter 6. And we're going to pick up in verse 5 and read through verse 14 together. Because what I want us to do is to see that this is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. That as we are believers in Christ and called to live with Him and live in this world, showing our relationship with the Lord outwardly, well, again, it starts with us saying no to sin, abstaining from fleshly lust inwardly. And Peter speaks to it as well. Paul does as well. So pick up with me there if you're there. Romans chapter 6, verse 5, where it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, speaking there of Jesus... Well, then certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. And death no longer has dominion over him. For death, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. This here is speaking of the reality that is Jesus, what we just celebrated last week and the week prior. As Jesus there sacrificed himself on the cross and died there that death, he defeated sin. He defeated death and the grave. And we see that represented in his death, burial, and resurrection. That which we, as we are saved, identify with. Which is what Paul goes on to say in verse 11. Pick up there. Where it says, Likewise you also... Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. This speaks of this struggle here, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not, he says, present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. 
Amen, that's right. We see here that Paul, in the same way as Peter, using different language, however, what he speaks of is Jesus having made a way for us to be dead to sin and freed from the bondage of sin. Well, then, as we enter into a relationship with Jesus, well, now we have responsibility. As Peter says, abstain, Paul says, reckon yourself dead to sin. Reckon yourself dead to sin, and no longer, he says, present your members to ungodliness. No longer present your members as members of unrighteousness. Literally what he means is don't walk into it. Literally what he means is keep your hands off of it. Take it away. Abstain. And we see this call here. And we see here in the Bible what is represented in our daily life. This struggle that is very real. This struggle that is real where no longer are we under the bondage of sin, meaning that we can resist it through Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him and the finished work on the cross. Where no longer are we slaves to sin, however, we still sin, don't we? Again, the flesh still wants to be built up. The flesh still wants to be satisfied, still wants to get what it desires. And so every day we have a call to abstain. Every day we have a call to reckon ourselves dead to sin. And as Peter and Paul both, using different words but saying the same thing, we see here that as Peter is speaking of this, that this action inwardly, well, it is what must happen for us to be able to walk and show Christ as we're called outwardly. And that's an inescapable truth. I hope you realize that today. That it's an inescapable truth that if you and I want to live for the Lord and want to live for Him as He calls us in His Word, if we want to show Him and work effectively for Him in this world that He has planted us in for this time to show Him to be on mission and to glorify Him, that if you and I are not abstaining, not wrecking ourselves dead to sin, if we're trying to live in two camps, then we will not, we will not be effective for the Lord as He calls us to be. And you may disagree with that, and I would disagree with you, and I'll argue that day as long as the day is, because that's what the Word of God shows me. The Word of God shows me that you can't sit in two camps, that if you don't abstain, if you don't reckon yourself dead to sin, then you're not living all in the way that God has called you to live. And so what we must do is do what the Word of God says, abstain from fleshly lust, reckon ourselves dead to sin, and walk in the new life that we have in Jesus. You see, we can. Many have tried. Many, in fact, are trying now. Many of you, perhaps, are trying right now to live in the two camps. But we can't. We cannot do that. We are called to reckon ourselves dead to sin. Whatever that sin may be, again, what trips you up may not be that which trips me up, but whatever it is, it is sin that separates us from God and gets us to hell and keeps us stagnated in the way that God wants to use us. And so we need, it needs to go. And we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin. We are called to abstain from our fleshly lust. It is a real struggle that is daily for us and will be daily for us, understand, until we're with the Lord. Understand that the sin that you struggle with, the flesh that we have, well, it is a struggle that is always going to be there until, again, we are with Jesus one day. I am looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the day where it's no longer wake up and fight, but it's wake up and just, oh, there's the Lord. Let's just worship Him and just be in His presence. But as long as we're here, we still have the relationship with the Lord. We still, and we have still a call to follow the Lord. And that takes inward action. Inward action from all of us to say, Lord, as you've called me, so do I want to live. I want to abstain from fleshly lust. I want to reckon myself dead to sin. 
And that is a call that we each have, a call that we each have to answer, again, individually. I can't answer that call for you, nor can you answer that for me. But if you, if I, if we as the church want to walk with the Lord in the way that he's calling us to, it's something that we have to answer. It's something that we have to do. So are you today, Christian? Are you today seeing the things that trip you up and saying, I want no part of that? Are you seeing the sin, perhaps, that used to trip you up and that held you captive? And you see it and you say, no, I'm no longer under bondage to that. I'm free from that through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. Are you doing that? Or are you like, I can hang out with it? It can hang around for a little bit. And you know, the thing about it is, oftentimes when we start walking in a relationship with the Lord, we, we name the things that are outward and blatant. We're like, okay, that's got to go. Whatever habit it is, whatever sin it is that outwardly hurts your body or hurts other people, we're like, yeah, that's easy. But it's the inward, the secret one that we're like, ah, this can stay for a little while. No one knows about it anyways. And what you should say is not anyways, but no one knows about it yet because you just haven't got caught yet. And you need to know the Lord knows. We need to know the Lord always knows. And that flesh, desire, that sin, whatever it may be, however small it may seem to you and to myself, or how hidden it may be, understand that it is stopping you from being all that God wants you to be. It is keeping you from walking in the way that God has for you. So abstain from it. Reckon yourself dead to it, as you are in Jesus Christ. And we need to so as to be able to walk forward the way God has called us to. Which is exactly what Peter moves into now. As the second verse of our text today really serves as the second call, showing that an inward work, it shows out outwardly, and we should be pursuing outward work as well, outward honorable conduct. We see that Peter, he's going to introduce here as we begin to wind down for our study today, as he's going to write this, and then over the next couple of weeks, get very specific about what a life surrendered to the Lord looks like, again, in specific areas. But outward conduct that Peter calls the believer to, well, it starts with the believer abstaining inwardly and then pursuing honorable conduct outwardly. Read verse 12 with me again, where Peter says, they're having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, coupled with the call to abstain from fleshly lust is also our call to have our conduct be honorable to the world around us. And Peter here, just to clarify, he uses the word Gentiles here to speak of the unsaved world around him. He's not just like taking a break from everyone in the room and just speaking now to the Jews in the room. No, Peter here is using com common language of the day, and he speaks. You could insert the word pagan or unsaved if you'd like. The, 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 the words are synonymous there for us. And the message that Peter is seeking to get across here, it's clear for the reader and should be clear for us now. That a life with the Lord, again, as a sojourner, as a pilgrim in this world, is a different life. It's a different, it's a distinct life. One that abstains from fleshly lusts and sins, outwardly and inwardly, and is called to live in honorable conduct and good works that are shown outwardly. Shown outwardly, he says, so that even when the lost world around the believer accuses the believer of wrongdoing or seeks to slander or put down, that there's nothing that'll hold against them. That there's nothing in the believer's life that would speak as a witness against any slander that they may throw, that, throw out. And contextually, this has a lot to do with some things we're going to talk about over the next couple studies. But really, the overarching reality is that there in the early days of the church, much as it should be now, the church was seen as strange. 
The church was seen as different and distinct, exactly how God calls us to be. Imagine that. But it was seen as that, and as such, it was attacked and slandered within society. Again, not much different from today. And what we see here is that believers were living and walking in society and employment and, and walking in submission to the government and, and walking in their marriages and their parenting and all the different relationships. As it was different, well, there would be talk around town and talk amongst people, slandering and putting them down as, as odd or weird or even dangerous in some ways. And Peter here, what he says, he says, hey, you know what? As God calls you, keep going. As God calls you, pursue honorable conduct so that those who see you, well, as they slander, as they speak against you, there's nothing that they can say that will hold any weight. But also, and I love this, he says there, that they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, what Peter wants to get across is not just this idea that they need to walk in honorable conduct so as to put to shame and to quiet the slanderer, but also, too, to be a witness to them to be a witness that would say, hey, look, I see these Christians, they're kind of crazy, they're doing life differently, maybe there's something about it, and would desire to be a part of it. So that, again, at the day of visitation, the glorified God in the day of visitation, what Peter is, is speaking of here is as the Lord comes, whether it be at the rapture when the church, I fully believe, is going to be taken up in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, and everyone around is going to be like, oh, okay, that's, 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 that they were right. Or they're at the physical return of Jesus at the millennial kingdom. When every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. There will be in that moment those who are like, praise the Lord. And those that are like, dang it, we were wrong. And Peter seeks to say here that as a believer pursuing honorable conduct in this world, it is a witness to those that look and say, hey, you know what? There's something different. It's a witness to those that would look and say, hey, there's something about following the Lord that is distinct and different, and I want to be a part of it. And Peter says to pursue that, and to pursue that prayerfully as they would believe. And Peter here today, as he speaks these things, again, over the next couple weeks, we're going to see him get very specific, very specific about what it looks like to live as a believer, what it looks like to be distinct, to be holy in this world to live outwardly as the inward man, as the inward woman is being changed. We're going to see him get very specific about what it looks like to live in society and in relationships, all surrounding, quite honestly, just to give you a preview for next week, all surrounding the idea and the reality that the Christian life is a life that's called to submission, a life that is called to submit to the Lord and everything else that he calls us to walk in. Hey, that goes with it too, but that's for next week. What we see here today is this intro into that, if you will, and a call for each one of us, especially us who are believers in this room. If you are a believer in this room, the Word of God today is calling us to see what we are called to and to answer that. And to be honest with ourselves on whether or not we are answering that inwardly and outwardly. Today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and we are called here today, we see Peter use the word abstain. We talked about Paul as well, calling us to reckon ourselves dead to sin. Well, a simple question for us that, again, I can't answer for you, but we must answer today is, are you doing that? In your daily life, are you living in a way? Am I living in a way? Are we living in a way that sees the flesh, sees what it desires, and says, I, I, I don't have to bend to that? I don't have to walk in that any longer because of what Jesus has done for me and in me. Are we doing that? Or again, are, are you seeking to play in two camps? 
Are you seeking to stick in the flesh and be in the flesh and walk in that and still allow the flesh to be built up, whether it's outward and blatant or secretly and inwards? Are you allowing that to happen? If you are, if we do, and we can all get there, understand that today perhaps you're like, no, I'm not. Okay, well, then you need to be sober and be vigilant, as the Bible would call us to, because sin, just as it was for Cain, is crouching at the door and desires to overrule us. Sin desires to rule our life and and desires to continue to rule our life so that Satan can stagnate our work for the Lord here in this world. And so today, if you are not abstaining, if you are not reckoning yourself dead to sin, today is the day to start. If you are, well, the call today is to be vigilant that you don't start, that you don't, that you don't stop abstaining, you don't stop reckoning yourself dead to sin. As a believer in this room, we are called to this. And as an unbeliever in this room, if you're here today and you realize, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, let's talk about that in just a moment. But also, too, understand that all that you are doing right now is giving in to that flesh, that sin nature. Because you are, at this point, the Bible says, a slave to sin. But Jesus Christ, as we just read in Romans chapter 6, well, He came and He died a death that we can identify with and walk in that sets us free from the bondage of sin, sets us free from the flesh. And all we have to do, we're called to by the Word of God, is to believe, to take a hold of that, and to walk in faith in that, knowing that Jesus, He is ready to save today. But as this is our call, we have to answer it. As this is our call to salvation and then to walking in that salvation, understand it is up to us to answer today. And you have a choice on whether or not you answer it. To answer and say, yes, I want to walk in the way the Bible is calling me to, or no, it's not for me. And understand that you will and you are choosing one of two ways today. And there's a world that is around us, again, that Peter is exhorting us to, to live outwardly for the Lord in, that shows a better way, that shows that the Lord wants to save and wants to work. And we are called and included in that. And why we're included in that is not because the Lord needs us, but because He wants us, because He desires to use us. But we have to choose that. So are you choosing that today? It's very simple. Are you choosing that today so that the things that Peter is going to speak about over the next couple of weeks and in the Word of God, things that the Word of God speaks on in several places, are you today living inwardly for the Lord so that you can live outwardly for Him in areas of life that we're called to? Again, that is between you and the Lord today. But I pray that we would answer it so the world around us sees a church, a group of people, wherever you're at on the day-to-day basis, in your home, at your job, at school, wherever you do life, that the world would see a church that is going for it with the Lord, that is living outwardly because of an inward change that you are walking in daily, that I'm walking in daily. I pray that we would choose that. I pray that as we have opportunity now, that we would choose that now.